It's a deck cast, it's a deck cast, it's a deck cast. D-A-C-C-C-A-S-T, cause I say it's a deck cast, it's a deck cast, it's a deck cast, deck cast, D-A-C-C-C-A-S-T, D-A-C-C-C-A-S-T. You're listening to Deck Cast, produced by students of Danville Area Community College. Hey, 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 welcome back to DATCast. We are back with an all-new season with brand-new hosts. I'm Erin Anderson. And I'm Landon Frazier. Our mission with DATCast is to provide a platform that's made for students and created by students. We want all of you on campus to become more familiar with the people you see every day here at DAC. With that being said, we are so excited to bring you today's episode. We are here today with Dr. Jonathan Wade. If you listened to the podcast last season, you're familiar with him. Um, But today we're going to take a slightly different approach to when he was last on the podcast. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about Dr. Wade. Would you mind introducing yourself to us and what your role is here at DAC? My name is uh, Dr. Wade, Jonathan Wade. Uh, I'm a social science, behavioral science um, professor. Um, I teach a variety of courses, uh, primarily um, social aspects, so uh, sociology, Social psychology, um, marriage and family, personality courses. Um, I'm from outside of Danville, small town, uh, Catlin. Uh, I went to school at Indiana State. I uh, did my graduate work at Capella, and then uh, did my doctorate degree at Walden um, in human development and family studies. Uh, so most of my stuff, uh, educationally and professionally, has been focused more with uh, family systems, um, and I've been teaching at DAC. Wow, it's like really dates me. Um, <laughs> uh, but I've been teaching, I uh, started teaching part-time at DAC in January of 2011. Um, and I came on full-time in August of 2018. So that is me. What does a normal day look like for you here at DAC? Uh, well, I drink lots of coffee. <laughs> so that, that's, that's the first thing that, so the first thing I do when I come to class uh, or come to work is I make a giant pot of coffee, which is generally um, stolen by some of the other professors. Um, um, about 8.30 on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, my first class starts, and I'm pretty much back-to-back, um, class after class. So I have about 15 minutes break between each class. Um, so I teach, let me count here, on Tuesdays and Thursdays I have four, four lectures I give. Um, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I think I have four lectures I give. So I, I have um, pretty much all day lecturing. I talk all day and drink coffee. All day. I drink coffee and talk all day long. That's all I do. Um, so, do you live here? Do you live in Danville? Uh, I live in Lafayette. So I commute. Yeah. What would you say interests you most about the field that you teach in? Uh... I would, how long is the show? Uh, (laughs) I want to make sure that uh, we don't go too long. It is, um, you know, if you would have asked me that question in February of 2020, I would probably have given you a different, um, a different answer. Um, Today, um, there, it kind of, it's like, it's like I'm on the front row of this, um, movie <laughs> and trying to figure it out. So I, uh, my particular focus has always been social, more social things like how we socially interact. Um, and so, you know, with the development of media, you know, COVID, um, 
between that and politics and, uh, you know, just kind of all of it, it's, it, I like it because I get to kind of evaluate everything from the simple to the complex. Like, and so that's uh, one of the things that I like about sociology and my particular field is we study large scale things and we also study just day to day interactions. Um, and so it just kind of gives me a, a broad range of things that I can study, I can read, I can talk about um, every lecture. And so this is one of the things that's really kind of cool um, about the social sciences um, and especially you know, anything that studies social behavior is every lecture with every class is somewhat different because it's different people. And so it may be the same material, but everyone in class brings a different viewpoint, a different attitude. And so what we talked about at nine o'clock may not necessarily be what we talked about at 11 o'clock simply because of the different personalities and the different people and the different um, attitudes and viewpoints. And so it's like, you don't know, like sometimes lectures go uh, complete opposite directions and sometimes they go the direction I planned. And so all of that is fun. And so that's my, my day. Yeah, I, re I remember when I was in your class, we kind of got off topic and we're all over the place. A <laughs> yeah, little I don't bit, but... help with that. I, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I actually took notes so that I could somewhat stay on track. I'm sure that's what makes that just the classes more fun that yes. way. Yeah, it's usually pretty unpredictable <laughs> what, what we're going to talk about. So, um, but yeah, so that's what I like about it. How do your classes relate behavioral science into skills that students can utilize in their everyday life? Well, um, so you kind of have to break that down. Um, so, for example, like my introductory courses, um, something just dropped. Uh, yeah, so like the introductory family. courses, so intro to psychology, um, you know, we're just kind of introducing the subject matter, the terminology, um, some of the major concepts, major theories. And so those, I think, are really meant to kind of open up um, the students' eyes and viewpoints to a much larger world and giving them kind of some tools and some um, explanations on how we go about thinking in the world of, you know, the social sciences and how we break down things and um, understand things that are outside of our immediate environment and how we grew up. And, and so it's, it's really much just kind of like getting them thinking like a social scientist. Um, and then as we get into higher level courses, we get a little more narrow. And so like this semester, I'm teaching um, a course in juvenile delinquency. Uh, so Sociology 205, which is juvenile delinquency. So that course is entirely focused on juveniles, <laughs> court systems. And so it's much more narrow for people who may want to go in and study, um, you know, those types of um, careers, you know, criminal justice, probation, workers, um, and then I teach a class on marriage and family. And so that is more focused on just kind of understanding the large, um, just the large scale and the small scale of everyday family interactions, family problems, um, family strengths, family um, um, changes over the last 50 years, 60 years. Uh, families changed a lot. Um, and so those are more geared for people who want to go into, I think, a profession where they're going to work with families, they're going to work with individuals, they're going to work with people in the community. And so it's much more narrow than those um, you know, introductory, introduction courses. 
Isn't didn't you used to work as a counselor for like marriages and stuff? I did. I, I I've done a little bit of everything. Um, so I <laughs> so I've like my professional background is kind of like it's like salt and pepper. It's a little bit like <laughs> everywhere. Um, and so when I first started out, uh, I started out working with kids. So I started out working um, with um, kids in group homes, um, kids with disciplinary problems, behavioral problems. And I did that for a little bit after I graduated. Um, and then I um, moved into working with you know, families and uh, specifically families in child welfare systems. Uh, and I did that for you know a couple years, and then I went and became a director of a program. So I did kind of like the administrative stuff, um, oversaw you know a large program, and then I decided to go back when I uh, was working on my dissertation. I was like, well, I much rather I need to I can't work 80 hours a week anymore. And so then I started doing you know individual therapy, which led into doing some substance abuse treatment, some um, family work. Um, and, you know, so I, I've kind of been all over the place with um, my uh, professional um, route. And then I ended up, my last job probably before I came on full-time here was focusing more on, um, it was still working with families, um, but I also worked with educational institutions, families, and other agencies to develop um, behavioral plans. And I did... Um, did that for about two and a, about two years before I came here. So, so yeah, a little bit of everything. Um, <laughs> which ones? Which one of those jobs? Did you enjoy doing those, or did you always know you wanted to be a professor, a teacher? Oh no, I. So, I did not plan on becoming an educator. <laughs> that was, um, which is kind of unique because I've never really made plans. Like I. Uh, for some reason, I've, I've always been pretty open to, you know, new experiences, new things. And, you know, for a lot of my professional career, it was more like, oh, this is an opportunity. It's like, oh, let's try that. See how that, let's try that hat on. See how that works. Um, and when I started teaching, the plan was just to kind of get, um, you know, things for my resume. Like that was the whole, uh, the whole point was to get something to put on my resume. Um, that I could then use, you know, later on. Um, and then I really started enjoying it. Uh, I found it, you know, enjoyable. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm good at it, uh, but I, I, tend to, I tend to love to come to work. Uh, and over time, the other things I were doing started becoming less important. Um, and I started, like I said, I started with one class and ended up, you know, I did that for a little bit. And I had two classes. And then when I decided to go back to do therapy, it was kind of twofold. One is I was offered to teach some classes during the day. So I was primarily teaching at night. And it's kind of hard to teach during the day if you have a, you know, day job. <laughs> uh, so I found a career or a job that was much more flexible that I could. Um, so I didn't, I worked only at the college on Tuesdays and Thursdays when I was part time. So I was here. Did my classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays and taught out at Hoopston. And then on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I did some of the therapeutic work. Um, and so about a couple years in, teaching is what I realized I wanted to do. But the other downside is that I didn't want to do it anywhere but DAC. <laughs> so, um, and so that was kind of just waiting for that opportunity kind of to come, uh, come about. And it was about, about a seven-year wait. And 
Um, and then in 2008, I was, I was lucky enough to interview and you know, fortunate enough to be hired. And this is all I do. So uh, DACC and teaching is pretty much my life. What drew you here? Well, like why only DAC? <laughs> you know, I've taught at a couple of different institutions. Um, and so, I mean, I graduated from um, Catlin High School and I moved around, went a couple of different places. And I was living in Danville at the time. I was working in Danville at the time, full time. And when the job opened up, when the, the part-time position opened up, and it was like every other, like every other semester, like every other spring. And, you know, I started teaching and I'm kind of a social butterfly. <laughs> so I have no problem going and meeting and talking to people. Um, and so I've always kind of, ever since I've been, I've always been kind of like working on relationships, just like building relationships. And so I think a lot of it is I built really good relationships here, strong relationships here, not just with, you know, people in my department and my boss, but in different parts of the campus. And I think that has really been the thing that has been most important to me um, and has kind of, you know, kept me here because of the personal relationships. Um, you know, I, I taught over in Indiana for a little bit, and, you know, I was one of, I don't know how many you know, faculty members or part-time people. I barely knew any of my colleagues. And this was always, like, more like a very... very relational job and so that I think is what made this the place that I wanted to be and here I am so that's cool when you're building relationships you also build relationships with all of your students and one of the topics that is just so talked about today especially with everything that's going on in the world is mental health so why do you feel that this is an important topic to talk about with college students uh well I I would like to say that I I, I think that it is important. The reason I use the word think instead of feel is feelings kind of are inconsistent. Um, and I know this to be true, that this is something that we need to talk about because people aren't really talking about it. And so one of the things I did this morning, um, this morning um, and then uh, yesterday when you had sent me some of the questions you were going to ask me, I was like, you know, I don't ever want to speak for people. I don't ever want to speak for people. Um, and so I asked, you know, a couple of the students and a couple of the classes, like, um, you know, is it important? Like, is I mean, I think it's important. I, I believe it to be important. Um, and some of them were like, yeah, you know, this is something we, we just don't talk about. We don't bring up. And I said, well, I, you know, I remember when I was in high school 20 years ago, it was never discussed. And I'm like, certainly today in 2021, <laughs> you're talking about mental wellness and mental health and no, they're not, you know, so the problems have been uh, growing, you know, the numbers, the um, suicide rates and the hospitalization rates and the disorder rates have all been, you know, going up every year, but no one's discussing it. And so it, I think it's that we have to, we get, we have to get to a point where it's like, okay, this thing is not going to fix itself <laughs> and we need to do something. And if we don't do something and the people in charge don't do something, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I do. Um, and one of the things I bring, I tend to talk about mental health a lot in my classes outside of just the material, like, um, because I think we have to kind of get to a place where we feel comfortable talking about it 
and sharing and exploring, you know, possibilities of um, getting better at it. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I don't, I, I, it's no longer a feeling. This is like, a, like, this is what we have to do. And we need to become, um, I think, more conscious of how needed it is. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at at this moment. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> so. mental health is kind of like a silent battle that people fight like every day and they feel like they have to keep it all inside and they don't necessarily know exactly that they have mental health problems when they are dealing with all this. So what exactly would you, how would you describe mental health to people? You know, I, I have spent, so I spent time working in the field professionally, um, but I've also spent time dealing with some of my own personal battles. And, you know, one of the things I've come to is we, we and I don't know if this will come out correctly, and it's fine if it doesn't, um, <laughs> is we focus, like, mental illness, not mental wellness. Like, what is it to be well? <laughs> like, how, how do we go about getting to being at a state of well? <laughs> we, it's when the crisis is here, when the problem has gotten too big for us to, you know, deal with on our own. And it's like, you know, it's October, time to talk about it, time to check it off the box, and then we'll go on to the next topic. And so I've been dealing with like, you know, are we focusing on what it is to be healthy? And how do we recognize if we're being healthy, and if we are healthy, and if we are well? Um, and so conversations about what we should be working on daily, not what we do when there's a crisis. Like, so it, if we only talk about it when the problem has, you know, when the problem has gotten so big that you can't ignore it, it now it's like crisis mode. It's like, okay, but what about, you know, all the times before that? And so I think just changing the way we talk about it and making it that, okay, we're going to work on this daily. If you go, and this is an example I gave today. Like if you go online and type in diabetes, <laughs> there will be an entire list of the 50 things you should do if you, you want to, you know, prevent diabetes. You can go on like, hey, I would like to figure out a way to not get lung cancer. You Google it and there's like 50 things that you should do to not get lung cancer. The food you should eat, the exercises. I mean... Type on, how do I keep myself healthy? And you have to scroll to the third page of Google because it's like, it's, it's not something that we think about. Like, what should I be working on? Who should I be talking to? How should I be talking to? Um, but if you're only talking about when it's a problem, then you solve the problem and then you sweep it under the rug and then, well, we'll talk about the next time it's a problem. And so we're not having those conversations. And so I don't know if that was the question you asked me. See, I, get, I, I just get off on these like little tangents. What was the question, actually? Let me make sure I... Um, what, what, how would you... So, okay. How would you describe mental health to like students if they came and asked you and they were like, hey, I'm struggling. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. What would you tell them? Well, one, I, I probably would not... I would probably direct them towards someone that they can talk to. Um, and... You know, maybe ask, you know, what supports can I offer you? Like, how can I help you? And um, that would be the first thing. Um, obviously, we have to kind of guide people in the right direction. And so if a student came to me and said, hey, I'm struggling, um, you know, at first, are you struggling with school? Are you struggling with, um, 
you know, are you struggling with you know, anxiety? Like what, like what are you just, what are you struggling with specifically? Um, and you know, if it's like, oh, you know, I'm having lots of, you know, I'm worried all the time or I'm stressed out all the time. Like, okay, well, how can I help with that? What are you stressed out about? And so we know where to direct people. Like, okay, this may be something you maybe talk to the advisor about, or maybe have you went to the mental health, um, you know, provider in town? Have you talked to your doctor? Do you have a doctor? Um, so that you're kind of having these action steps, like things that we can do versus like, oh, that's really sad that you feel that way. I'm sorry you feel that way. Thank you for sharing. And so I think I tend to give like, have you looked into this? Have you talked to this person? Um, have you thought about doing this um, so that you're not just talking with them about you know how they're feeling, but they're giving them options of places to you know go and people to call and people to talk to. And I think that's typically what I do is um, I can't do it. I can't. I mean, I can't be your therapist, but I can give you directions to people who can probably help you. As people in our lives, I mean, there are oftentimes where people come to us and say, like, we need to talk to you about something, but we may, may not necessarily have the tools to do that. So how would you suggest if that were to happen in one of our lives to direct somebody to somebody that knew what they were talking about? Well, first of all, I would recommend um, learning about the places in town. So we have uh, Rosecrans that's here, and I think they primarily work with substance abuse-related disorders. We have Cross Points here that offers mental health counseling, um, crisis intervention. Um, we have um, OSF. Um, and those are things to know, like, hey, these are places where I can, um, I can direct you to, or I can give you a ride to, or I can give you the number to. The other thing that I think is this can also become a problem because it's like, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't want to be responsible. Go to, go to cross point. <laughs> it's like, I just, I feel very uncomfortable. Um, so the recommend, obviously if someone comes to tell you that something's going on, I would assume that they believe that you are someone that they could share with. Like, we don't tend to go to people that we think are going to shut us down. <laughs> like, and so we can all listen. Um, and I would recommend listening without editing, listening without trying to correct, listening without trying to fix. Um, because a lot of times people just want to get it out. Like, I don't need you to fix it. I just, I just need someone else to know. And because then once other people know, those people can make choices to check in on you. And, so it's not about, I think we do kind of have this, this idea that we got to leave all this up to the professionals. All, but it's like, you know, there are things that my friends will tell me that they would never tell their therapist or they'd never tell their doctor. Um, and so I can listen. I can listen every day. I can listen every time you come. But it needs to be a combination of us listening, us trying to be supportive, but us also giving people um, options and places to go. So you need both of them. And I think that is the, um, everyone has a listening ear. Just use your listening ear and hopefully that will help. And then give them a ride if need be. Um, Sometimes that's the most important part is they just, you just need to listen to yeah. people and 
that's all they're asking for. Um, how would you differentiate anxiety and stress and depression? How are they all like different from one another? Well, this is this. Uh, this is non-clinical advice. <laughs> Please do not use this advice to diagnose you or your family, um, <laughs> or your friends, or your professor. But like in like one of your classes, how would you? Um, so anxiety, uh, typically, the way I kind of think about it. Um, so anxiety is kind of like excessive worrying, uh, and so I sometimes think about anxiety as we don't tend to worry about the things we have control over. Like if I have peanut butter and jelly and bread, I'm not gonna worry about if I can make a sandwich because I can control all those pieces. I think of anxiety as there are things outside of my control. I'm worrying about those things, even though I can't fix them or correct them. And it's just that persistent sense of worry. Stress, I think of as the response that our body has to a perceived threat. This is why we people get stressed out about exams. The exam's the threat. <laughs> like, like, I, I, please do not <laughs> change corporate policy or educational policy based on. But the idea is that I am the threat. You know, I is the, is the exam, and so I have a physical response, and then I get anxious about it, and I get worried because I can't control the thing. Um, and so then I become um, stressed out, pressure, external pressure. Because you can be stressed about good things, and you can be stressed mm -hmm. about bad things. Like, um, uh, like going on vacation, if you're going on vacation. Like, it's a stressful time. Like, vacation is stressful. I took Eleanor to Disney with my wife, and it was, like, the most stressful event <laughs> I've ever went through. But it was a good stress. And, you know, trying to get them to the rides, and, you know, you, you stress out. But then there's always unhealthy levels. Of stress where um, sometimes it just you know we're just we feel like there's just all this external pressure on us and then we start to worry about it because we're not in control um, and then I think of depression more as a <sighs> depression is a harder one to explain um, so when I think about depression I think of um, how I feel and think about myself um, lack of enjoyment where, um, you know, I used to really like candy apples and now I don't care. But nothing, nothing, nothing makes you feel, it doesn't matter what you do. When, you, when you're depressed, it, you know, you can go see a movie. You can go look at a sunset. You know, you can go hang out with the person that you care about the most. And it's, I just can't get, it doesn't make me feel better. And I think that's what causes people a lot of confusion about, you know, depression is... Generally, when people are anxious, you can tell they're anxious. Like, when people are, I think, you know, struggling with, you know, depression, um, you know, I, I know for my own, like, if I get into, like, today, like, this week has been horrible. Like, if you uh, are impacted by the environment, uh, you know, uh, seasonal affective disorder, like, five days of no sunlight and raining, like, I just want some sunshine. Like, I'm just, and it's like, I have, like, all week just been trying to, like, okay, stay positive. You know, it's okay. It will pass. The sun will return. Um, but it becomes harder to, like, to drive enjoyment from anything. Nothing is enjoyable. And I should be happy, but I'm not. And that's where it gets really problematic is my bills are paid. I have money in the bank. 
I have friends, I have good relationships, I have a house, I, but I'm still not happy. I'm still not enjoying, and there's no joy here. Um, and a lot of times you don't really know you were, at least in my experience, you don't really know you were depressed until you're not. <laughs> because when you're depressed, it's just, that's just the way you feel. You know, oh, another sunshine. Oh, my daughter's smiling. Oh, I won the game. Like, and then you're out of that, and it's like, wow, I really do enjoy these experiences. And so it's, it's, it's good to, to kind of evaluate what we're feeling. And it's good to share that with other people because other people may not know. Um, and that's the scary, and I like how you mentioned silent because it really is, um, it really is a silent, silent battle because we feel bad about sharing. Like, <laughs> like we're relational by, by design but we, we were fearful of showing you a vulnerability or showing you something that maybe makes you think less of me. And those are sometimes the most courageous things we can do, but I don't want to bother you with it. Mm-hmm. And those are like, you're not, I mean, we need to make, maybe we need to wear like a banner that just says, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm here to listen. You're not going to bother me. Um, you know, because people I think just feel, and I know I do that. I feel that way. Like, I don't want to bother you. You've had a stressful day. You're tired. You have your own problems. I don't want to put mine on you. Um, and so that, I think, keeps us from engaging in the conversation. I don't know if that answers your question or not. Cause, oh, yes. Because a lot of times um, it, we, people might feel they're coming off as complaining or mm-hmm. they're like, you should be happy. You should feel this way. But it's not always about like all that you have. Yeah. You know, it's about... And I tend to think of things like socially. Um, like I said, I am not a I'm not a clinical psychologist. That is, you know, I study human development and I study, you know, families. Those are those are my areas. Um, and so I, I don't I don't know that I'm answering it from a clinical standpoint. But yes, I think a lot of it is we have we've kind of taken people don't usually struggle with telling other people they're physically ill, like. You know, um, I had some family members um, that I lost to cancer, and I remember when they got cancer, um, and they found out. You know, within hours, everyone was at the house. Everyone was talking. Everyone was sharing. And it's like, if I called my family members to say, hey, I'm depressed, they'd be like, oh, we'll see you on Saturday. <laughs> like, it, we don't think of it as an illness. And it's like, if no one's thinking of it as an illness, then, like, how— ha- how do I get you to believe this is an illness? Like, how do I, like, how do I, like, uh, and so I'm thinking like, if, if we don't think of it as a problem, if obviously a problem is occurring and no one's talking about it, then obviously no one thinks it's a problem until it is a problem. And then, then we see some change and, but then we only see it momentarily. So, I mean, that's my thoughts. Well, this conversation <laughs> is all kinds of uplifting and exciting. Maybe. Um, Happy days at DACCAST. Um, what, 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 are, what are some parts of, of the year as a teacher that you notice that your students are feeling down or more stressed out? Uh, well, for the last two years, uh, every interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, one, I, like I have to, one, I have the best students in the world. 
So, and even if someone's like, well, you haven't met all the students in the world, I'm like, even if I did, you guys are still the best. But, you know, with mental wellness, predictability is important. Like knowing what to expect day from day and, you know, semester to semester. Um, college is already stressful. Like without any help, like without any help, this is a stressful time. And so you take a stressful time with a lot of uncertainty. Pre-COVID, I would have said week one, two, and three, you know, you know getting your schedule, you know, getting through the course outlines, getting the technology, you know, getting your book, getting your financial aid, that would be what I would refer to as the, the big stressful time. A little bit of stress and anxiety around midterms, um, and then once again, around finals. But I think today, um, at least most of the data that is coming in is that everyone is feeling impacted. Parents, kids, um, young adults, older adults. And so now it's like the entire semester is because you don't know on Friday if we're going to be here on Monday. And so how do you plan accordingly? And, you know, not to mention that um, we rely a lot on like the things that we need to do. We rely a lot on like, you know, body language. Um, I have, I've been kind of making this joke lately. I don't know if any of my jokes are funny this semester (laughs) because (laughs) I haven't seen anyone's face. And so, but you need that. Like if people aren't responding, um, and so that creates, I think, stress is that we just got all this external stuff going on in an already stressful situation. And so I've just been like, how are you doing? How are you doing? How's it going? How can I help? Uh, I've now for the last two years, I try to end every email or communication with how can I assist you or support you? Like that has just became a protocol of communication that, Hey, I won't be there on Tuesday. Okay. Thanks for letting me know. How can I help you? Well, I didn't need any help asking anyways, like, because it's, it's the entire time is stressful. Um, one of my students actually said all the time, (laughs) cause I asked them, I'm like, when's the most stressful time in the semester? All the time, all the time. So I'm like, okay, let's put that one down. Because I'm sure that it's, it's shared among more than just one person. So, yeah. I think I can relate to that on a personal level. The amount of things that I have kind of dived into this semester because I didn't have the opportunity to last year. I mean, you feel like you just kind of have to do everything all at once, all of a sudden, otherwise you won't have the opportunity yeah. again. Do it while it's available. Cause yes. it might not be here next semester. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I think too is, um, you know, that's the, um, like I was gone for, I don't know. I think we were remote kind of like for a year and a half, like three semesters or something, or maybe four semesters. I, I've lost track of time. It's all bleeding together. But I remember, like, this semester I came back fully. So I, I do have some online classes, but I'm mostly lecturing face-to-face. And I was super excited. And now I'm like, oh, my God, i got so much to do. Like, <laughs> I'm talking 20-some hours a week or 30 hours a week. And, you know, before that, I was just in my basement, like, clicking and, you know, maybe talking to Zoom, mostly talking to myself. Um, and so that's been stressful because now we're doing a lot more. And, you know, so it... I, I, to me, I think kind of just all the time. (laughs) Um, But the important thing about stress is not, I mean, stress is always going to be there. It's how we respond to stress. And that's the, you know, what are reasonable and healthy levels of responses to our stress and what are, when are we getting into unhealthy? If you're, if your stress level is getting to a point where you just shut down, 
the stress levels are are not uh, conducive. And a lot of times we get stressed out, we put more on our plate. We just keep piling it on. And a lot of times when you're stressed, you need to remove stressors. Um, and so it's just kind of like managing and navigating those roles that we all have. And we all have, you know, roles and those roles cause stress. And sometimes we're like, I can't do this today. Like I need to just kind of put this over here. I need to pri reprioritize. And so I can respond to what's going on. Which that kind of leads to our next question, which is um, how, what's some advice you could give to people who like during these stressful times, how can they deal with that? Breathe, breathe, recognize that. So I always, I always used to do this, like, um, so I'm a worrier by nature. Um, and I, and I worry a lot and my wife will, talk, I mean, she, I just worry about random things. Um, and the other day, I think I got a short change someone at the gas station. Um, I think maybe I, and I worried about it for like a whole day and I went back and I was like, Hey, yesterday, I think I shorted you a dollar. Here's a dollar. Like, so I worry by nature. Um, and one of the things I think that we have to do is we have to realize that this moment will pass like that this exam will pass this, you know, the problem I'm having at work will pass, you know, that, that we like, okay, breathe, think about, um, so that we're not just going down kind of those rabbit holes. Like, it's kind of like when you think about something in your mind, it sounds like, like it, it's the worst thing ever. And then you say it and it's like, okay, like, like, and so sometimes it's just like, breathe, maybe talk with someone, you know, Hey, here's what I'm kind of doing. Here's what's kind of going on. Um, reach out. That's the big one. Like connecting with other people. Um, you know, that's one of the things that I, you know, reach out to your professors, talk to your professors, stop by your, stop by and see your advisor, like connect with people. And that then, because they can sometimes help, you know, prioritize or talk you off the ledge or, or, or whatever. And so it's important to, you know, when you are stressed, when you are anxious, you're not feeling just right that you're connecting and reaching out. And that's sometimes the hardest part. Yeah, I know but sometimes with me, I tend to worry about the stuff that's like, not the very important stuff that I should be worrying about, but the little, the very little stuff. And then uh, it's always at night when I can't do nothing about it, like I'm laying in bed and I'm like, I should email this person right now, but they're not going to answer. The constant <laughs> thoughts yeah. in your head all the time. Yeah, that's the, you know, we... Like that's thing like anxiety. When you become worried about something, it, it, it just consumes you. And you're just like, you just gotta, um, I do this like exercise. Um, and like I said, I mean, it, it, you gotta come up with ways to manage things. And I, like, I do this exercise where I'll be like, I'm only going to worry about this for 10 minutes. And sometimes I'll like set a timer and I'm like, I'm going to play the loop, but after 10 minutes, I'm going to go worry about something else because if not, I'll worry about it all day. And it's like, you know, and so I do a lot of like cognitive exercises and thinking exercises where it's like, okay, um, how much worry should I give this thing? Like how much of my day am I going to give this thing? Am I going to give it an hour? Am I going to give it two? Am I going to give it 20? Am I going to give it three weeks? Like, Thinking about how much does this thing that I'm thinking about and worrying about and struggling with, how much of my life am I going to give it? Because if you're like, all right, I'll give it an hour. Feel bad about it for an hour. And then 
coach yourself into feeling better. And we can. We can we can practice positive self-talk, encouraging ourselves. Um, and and I, I would do them daily. Like, uh, I tell I when I drive over from work, I'm like, today's going to be a good day. Like, I know it's raining. I know this car's driving super slow, but today's going to be a good day. We're going to have a good day. My kids, my students are going to have a good day. I'm going to have a good day. My lecture's going to make sense. <laughs> like, like, it's like just motivating myself that today's going to be good. And it tends to be good versus like today is going to be awful. You know, because <laughs> then today, it probably will be. It's yeah. raining. The car is going slow. My students aren't going to like the material. They probably didn't read. You know, those things, I think, change the way we think about things. And we can control some of our thinking. Yeah. What do you hope to accomplish in the lives of your students here at DAC? Well, um, I am a product of an educator who cared. So that. Um, I sometimes think about it that way. Um, some of the, you know, I had, I had teachers. I had teachers I didn't really like. I don't feel that, you know, really, I don't think they liked me either. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> reciprocal. Uh, but I want, I think the big goal I have is that, one, I want you to believe that I have your interest in mind, that I, that I am here for you to whatever level I can be like whatever I can help you with I, I that's my first goal I want to build the relationship with I want to have a relationship with you I believe all things are accomplished the relationship um, that's like the just building the relationship so I spend a lot of time relationship building and I try to anyways um, and the second one is I would like to get people interested in the field um, because there's such a need we we have more need than people in the field to address the need. Um, so that's a lot of it. Um, I've been trying to get my, uh, get the three plus one program kind of up and running um, where students can you know, do three years here and then do one year uh, at Franklin and leave with a bachelor's degree in psychology so that they can enter the workforce here locally. Um, so those are some of the things that um, I, I really want to accomplish in, I guess, in my role. Um, but I also want to inspire people. I mean, I want people to not inspire them, inspire them in themselves. Like that you can do whatever you, if you're willing to work for it and you're willing to, you can accomplish it. Um, and so, you know, believing in people. And I mean, like I said, I'm a product of a teacher who cared. Um, and, you know, for some reason they believed I had some degree of potential. I mean, they may have mistaken me. Like maybe, like we were both sitting there, and they thought I was somebody else. Um, but through them initially believing in my ability, that helped yield, you know, positive outcomes for me. And so, it's like you know, what? I'm here to support you, and eventually, you're going to support someone else. Hopefully. Should we move on to the DAC attack? I think so. Okay. Right. Thanks, okay, Todd, so for DAC attack. Um, what is DAC attack? <laughs> so we're going to give you two choices, and you're going to have to answer them as fast as possible, and it's just we're going to go down We're going to uplift the mood a little yeah. bit. We're gonna well, after thank, a great, thank goodness. After a great conversation, we're just going to... We're going to lighten yeah, the mood Yeah, we're going to try bit. to lighten the mood. Yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, just answer as fast as you can, and it's mm -hmm. kind of it's just silly questions. And okay. Yeah. So yeah. night or morning? Uh, night. High school or college? College. City or country? Uh, city. Sweet or salty? Oh, sweet. 
Drive or walk? Walk within reason. <laughs> <laughs> Messy or tidy? Uh, uh, I messy. <laughs> my, my yeah, my life is messy. But, Waffles um, or pancakes? Pancakes. Cook or clean? Cook. Vacation or staycation? Vacation. Okay. Thank That's you so it. much, Dr. Wade. We really awesome. appreciate you being here with well, us today. Thank you for having me. Hopefully everything I said made sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think it did. I think people will get some help from what you said today. Absolutely. Yeah. And the big thing is uh, stop by. Even if even if I'm not your even if you're not currently in my classes, feel free to stop by. Um, I'm here generally five days a week. And I tend to kind of talk to people even if you're not in my class. So I tend to talk to everyone I see. Um, and so, you know, it's we're all in this together. And that's kind of, that should be all in this together. That should be a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. This has been DatCast. And I'm Landon Frazier. I'm Aaron Anderson. Stay classy, Jaguars. Nice. Good Cut. job, guys. <laughs>